Hello, this is Jessica Heron, founder and CEO of the Stella and Dot Family Brands, and this is my brand new podcast, Self Made. Hey, friends, this is a special episode of Self Made. It's actually an edited version of a keynote speech that I just gave at our annual sales conference that we call Hoopla. I wanted to share it with all of you because I am so inspired. Thank you, U.S. soccer team. By the way, the women's soccer team that just won the World Cup, I was so inspired by who they are, what they've accomplished, how they use their success to demand attention and right the wrongs in the world around women's pay equality that actually right after they won, I scrapped my former keynote and rewrote it so that I could apply the lessons I learned from researching their win in this team to what it takes for anyone to drive success and purpose in their life. So I shared this at the conference. We edited it down and I wanted to share it with all of you because I was so inspired. And frankly, I'm always most inspired after our annual sales conference. We just did it. I got home last night from our Keep Collective conference and our Stella and Dot family came together. It's an annual event and it just fills my soul. I get happy to the brim because I get to connect with the people that are the purpose of my work. I love the everyday part of my business. I do. I love the product. I love the technology. I love the innovation. And this event was more special than ever because I felt like it was our launch event where we had really reinvigorated our business model. We were rolling it out. And most of all, I got to do that with the people whose lives it impacts. So go ahead and take a listen. You might not know this about me, but you might, but I'm a soccer mom. I don't know why that has a negative connotation because it's pretty great. And I never played soccer, but I was always a soccer mom, meaning AYSO is just what you do in the hood. And my kids started playing, that's Tatum, the little girl, and the best part, I think, of game highlights during that stage was when she would just run the other way, or if she would see a snack, she would just run off the field in the middle of the game, right, for a snack. So that's how long they've been playing soccer. And they kept playing, and it became kind of what we did on Saturday, and we'd go with our community, and I'd bring my coffee, and we'd sit in the chairs, and I'd bring the dog, and the girls would have their games, and they went from running the wrong way and getting snacks to getting goals and pulling muscles and learning about teamwork and getting all this confidence and strength and the beauty of hard work and sacrifice, and I really see the value of that experience, and I thought, I was so happy. You know, when you didn't have something in your childhood and you're able to give it to your girls, uh, you just feel really proud, you know, of how you're raising them and what they're experiencing, because I, I never did that. I never did anything like that. Like, honestly, you know, I had a single parents, so it was kind of crazy, and girls were really focused on playing sports, at least for me in my school, it just isn't what we, what we did. Um, so I've always been a proud soccer mom, but I've never actually been a soccer fan. <laughs> As in, actually, even at the AYSO games, I only liked it when my children were playing. And oftentimes, they were on the sidelines, and that's when I would be on my phone. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not here to see who's actually winning or losing. I'm just here to look at how cute they are. <laughs> I wasn't a soccer fan um, until this. 
So are there some other soccer fans here now too? I mean, did anyone cheer when Megan Rapinoe scored the penalty shot? Right? Were there moments where you watched that game and were like, whoa, the world just won? I have chills! Because you know what? They won. They won, and it was an amazing victory, and it was incredible, and I think it woke the world up to being a soccer fan and seeing what they won and watching this game. I learned so much. I learned so much that I decided a few days before Hoopla, which is not wise, to like scrap everything I was going to talk about with you right now and do this instead. Because I felt, I went from needing to Google how to pronounce FIFA. I would have said like FIFA or FIFA or like Wi-Fi. You know what, the stuff that, it's FIFA. I know this now. I had to Google penalty box. That's the area where the goal is, FYI. Okay, that's where I was coming from. But I went from that to being Megan Rapinoe's best friend she hasn't met yet. I worship that woman. So if anyone knows her, please. I, this is a co-captain of the team. And there's so many lessons that I learned getting to know these players by reading their history that I wanted to share with you that I think are exactly right for us right now as a team, as a team that wants to win. Perfection or ease is not required. Okay, let's start with that one because actually, you know what the U.S. women's team did the first half? They played crappy. Their best players, the world's best players, actually gave away the ball uncharacteristically in a poor first half, right? And yet, they won. Megan Rapinoe, she's the oldest woman to score a game in the World Cup. She's 36. Is anybody else 36? Right, or above in here? Do you know how long a soccer field is? Do you know how long 90 minutes is? Can you imagine? Okay? And then, was she in the right mental state? Like, you know, you can kind of be bummed when you're down the first half, but you know what they did right before that game started? They filed a lawsuit against the governing organization of soccer, FIFA, for equal pay. So she's going in with that mindset, and she still has got her zone in the game. She's leading her team of 23. And she is doing it, and she uses her fame and her platform to advocate for inequalities in the world. She is a huge spokesperson for LGBTQ rights. She fights against racism and inequality. She, every time she gets a platform, she uses it to speak for people that don't have one. Okay, so if she, even if she weren't scoring goals, I would love this woman. She is a irreverent, outspoken, pink-haired nonconformist. Okay, it's my type of girl. And then the thing about her life is, whenever you look at someone like that and say, man, how is she so collected? How is she so talented? Was she just born great? Was she just born lucky? And I find that the greater the person, the more you dig into their childhood, the more the adversity. She's suffered injury. She suffered all kinds of things throughout her life. And there was a moment that I, again, had to Google when she said, happy birthday, Brian. And it's kind of an odd thing to say at the end of winning the World Cup. You know who she's talking to? 
Her brother, that's been incarcerated the majority of his life for being in gangs, he spent eight years in solitary confinement. He has a swastika on his arm, which he is reformed from now. But can you imagine, you're like thinking about that childhood. So you're, you're, you're an outwardly gay woman and you've got a brother with a swastika and, and how, what was that like? What was going on there while you're fighting your way in the world? And yet, they're each other's hero because there's love in the world, there's forgiveness in the world, there's change in humanity. And she speaks for that. And I just, this woman is like amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. But she's got another ca captain. There's three of them. Another one is Carly Lloyd. Do you like Carly? Okay, what I learned from her about reading about her history is don't quit because others say you should. Or when you fail. All right, so when she was 21, she played in college. And she you know, played her whole life. It, she was probably way better than the Heron Girls in AYSO because she got to college, she played her college, and that is not their destiny. But then at the age of 21, she went to go out for the, the uh, U, I think it's called the U21 team. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids were on there like U8, U12, it keeps going. There's a U21. Okay, and she was cut. You want to know why? She was incredibly out of shape. And the coach just said to her, you don't work hard enough, you're not fit enough, you're not on this team. It doesn't matter that you were talented all your life. Bottom line is, I cannot put you on the roster. So she thought, she actually wanted to go into the FBI, which I think is very cool. But she was like, my soccer career is done. I'm like, done, done, all the way done. But her family said, you know, you gotta go talk to a coach. Go talk to somebody. And that coach, she found a new coach, and the coach said, well, let me challenge you to this. I want you to run consecutively for 12 minutes. She couldn't do it. She couldn't run for 12 minutes. But the coach looked at her and he said, you know what I see though? I don't see somebody who can't finish 12 minutes. I see someone who can be the best player in the world if you'll work. So that she did. And you know how long she worked? She went and trained harder than she's ever tra trained before. Worked harder than she's ever gone before. And then she made not just the U21 team, but she made as a pivotal player. And then from there, she had to go to the senior team. And then from there, she had to go to the starting 11. And then from there, she made it to the, to the Olympics. And then from there, she made it to the World Cup. And then from there, she, in 2015, she was named the greatest women's player in the world. Isn't that amazing? A lot of blood, sweat, and tears, baby. That's what I've learned from her. And I love this quote, a part of me loves the struggle and a part of me hates the struggle. But all of me is about the struggle because without it, there would be no truly great moments. I, I so believe that. I so believe it and it's so true. And then this is Alex Morgan. Love Alex Morgan. Okay, she is their other co-captain, the third person on the lawsuit suing for equal pay. And right after Megan Rapinoe was interviewed, when they had finished the game and they said, man, you were, you know, everybody was sucking the first half. Like, what was the game-changing moment? What happened from everything was falling apart to, like, suddenly? And Megan, in amazing leadership style, immediately just talks about her team. And she talks about her co-captain. She says, well, as Alex. You know, lately, we've asked Alex to completely change her game. And it was her being aggressive in the box. She put her body on the line for the team. She did everything on the team. And because she changed her game, and when we asked her to change, she just embraced it wholeheartedly. She turned that whole game around. And I thought, wow, there you are, a co-captain. Your team is asking you to change. 
and do something totally differently. Did she resist the change? No. She led, she embraced it wholeheartedly, and she didn't score a goal. She was credited for changing and winning the game. Right? That's pretty incredible. And this woman, she, they, all these women, they did this amongst incredible adversity. So collectively, they show us that even when you're winning, you got to have a tough suit of armor. Right? Keep put on their armor today. Right? And stoppable. Right? These ladies, they're out there doing the best a team has ever done in history. And any time I went to, I started stalking all of them on social media because, again, we are now best friends. <laughs> and every time I saw them posting something, immediately the first comments were something to try to tear them down. Right? So this one, I'll, I'll read it for you because it says like, oh, so here is the too arrogant. They were told that they were too arrogant because they were confident, that they, aka confident, that they're going to win, right? They were too celebratory, right? as if they're not supposed to have fun from winning. Right? When, when do you hear like a male sports team be told that like they're, they're you know, the touchdown dance, right, is wrong. All they're doing is like having fun dancing, and yet they're mocked endlessly, right? And then and it says, because someone's using their platform where they don't, they're not kneeling for the American flag, but they're just, they're just remaining silent, which many players do, right? It's like they get all the hate around, too bad you don't support the USA. And I love this one from Haji 2.0. But can you beat a group of 15-year-old boys? Listen, I'd like you to be Haji 3.0 and just change, because you're a jerk, Haji. And it goes on and on. And it was like, uh, Bra Brady Evans, probs not. <laughs> but the thing is, is that you got to understand that no matter what you do, you could be the best in the world and some joker's going to show up saying, probs not. <laughs> and you just have to be like, whatever. Right? And walk on. Because when they win, you know, they, they lift other people up. And they change the course for future generations, right? I think if, they, if you look at this, who's a Canadian in here? Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm's a Canadian. Did anybody see her in 1999? Right, like sort of like kind of aware, was in the news, and then it was gone. But Mia Hamm is one of the greatest female athletes of all time, right? She was on the 99ers that held the record for the most international goals, men or women, made. Right, so this is an incredible woman, and she's the FIFA World Player of the Year twice. So what I love is that somebody was able, so there she is in her number nine jersey, and then there's a cute little picture of something that went down by a little eight-year-old girl, and this is outside of Cincinnati in the Vincent Farrar Catholic School, third grade, book report on your hero due on Halloween. Good news, kids, you get to come in dressed as your hero. So this little girl comes in, and she's dressed like Mia Hamm. She gives her book report. And the teacher, she did a good job, but the teacher, Mrs. Neuer, or Neuerer, however you say her name, she calls the, the girl's mom and says, you know, book report was good, but your daughter is obsessed with soccer. In fact, I noticed that like sometimes she leaves school early because she's going to a tournament. Like she's, she's eight. She's in the third grade. You know, it's not like she's going to play professional soccer. Well... On Sunday, in the 69th minute, 
Rose, the youngest person to score a game at the World Cup, just made it so that this Halloween, prepare for that pink headband to knock on your door. Okay, you know why she wears that? She's worn it since she was a girl so that her parents could see her in the crowd. And it's just sports tape and she's worn it ever since. Because she grew up seeing a badass woman. And by the way, when she won, both Mrs. Neubauer and her mother were there to cry tears of joy. Right, so, but why is the U.S. team dominating? Is it because the U.S. is badass? Yes. But actually, the other lesson we can learn from this is that we are not the product of just today. We're the product of everything that has been happened and legislated and our environment before us. Right? So if you want to know this, this is shocking. This is one of these crazy things. Soccer was banned in many countries up as recently into the 80s. All right, so I'm not talking about Saudi Arabia, Arabia. I'm talking about Germany. Until 1970, soccer was banned for women. And this is what the organization said. This is a fundamentally foreign to the nature of women. And now that the women were too frail to play sports. Does that woman look frail to you? <laughs> Violent sports are not suitable for the female body. Brazil, the leading nation of football, did not let women play soccer until 1981. Does that blow your mind? Right, so sometimes you get really frustrated by the lack of progress, but then other times you're like, holy crap. Like, I was alive in 1981. What are we talking about? But Brazil said, two, not suitable for the female body. I'm looking at Alex Morgan and I'm thinking her body is suitable to kick the shit out of that ball. And she built those muscles, right? So that she could look like this instead of that. These are both real covers of Sports Illustrated. Which one do you want to be a role model for your daughter? Right, strong over skinny. Don't define me by my gender. Don't tell me what I can't do. Let me decide if I'm too frail. These women were actually told when I just, I just dug, dug deep, went into this rabbit hole of like, oh my God, Scotland actually lobbied other countries to ban women. Doctors in England told women that if they played soccer, they wouldn't be able to have children. And this wasn't in the 1800s. This was like relatively recently, right? It's mind-blowing what goes on. But here's what happened in the U.S. Title IX. Somebody took a stand and said, you know what? Federal funding cannot be based on gender. If you've got a boys program, you've got a girls program. And look what happened. This is in 1971, and that's at the high school and college level. In 1971, the year before I was born, 700 girls in the nation in total played soccer. So no wonder I didn't grow up with dreams of being in AYSO. No wonder that wasn't the community message, right? By 2018, after Title IX went into effect in 1971, 390,482 women built strong bodies through that team sport, right? So they had a head start because Title IX put more people in the funnel for the U.S. and the other countries went later. So guess what's gonna happen, U.S.?
Keep, keep practicing because those younger girls are coming for you, right, from all over the world. And that is a good thing because success demands attention because when they win, we win. The world wins because now they have a platform and they use that platform for the good, right? So this is what I want you to see what the crowd said right at the end of this match. Let's play that video. <laughs> Pretty good, right? All three co-captains of that team led that lawsuit and led their team to victory. And they used their platform to point out the glaringly thing of pay. And you guys, I am a pragmatist who likes to research and look at the numbers, okay? So anytime someone tells me something with statistic, I know statistics can lie. So I go do the math and I say, yeah, but is it really distorting the facts? And I really wanted to say, how big is this pay cap? Like, are men's teams just generating more revenue because they play more because of all this? Well, not according to the Wall Street Journal, not according to when you look at this, despite bringing in more money than the men's team, the U.S. women's national soccer team is paid nearly four times less. Do you think four times less sounds bad? Okay, it's much worse than that. One man's pay. This guy, Neymar Jr. His pay is equal to the pay of 1,693 top female players combined. It's embarrassing. It goes from all these countries, from France, Germany, England, the US, Sweden, Australia, and Mexico, the best female soccer players in the world, you add them all up, they make 42.6 million. One guy makes 43.8. Yeah. So we win as a team for women in the world. When they win, we win. Because somebody uses their platform to speak for others that don't have it. Right? And, and when I look at why did this team, we know that it's because they have amazing captains that suffered adversity and pain and they worked harder. But why together? Because a team is 23 women in soccer. And how did they come together to win? Right? And it's because I saw this quote about them and I just loved it. And it has the word joy in it, like SD joy. And I keep happy. And I know Ani said this earlier, that when a team wins, there's all these studies about when you're having fun, you're more likely to win. They have a joy, a lightness, but an intensity that is different and unique. It's worthy. And I think you need that as a team, right? You need both the joy and the intensity. You need to be worthy of the win. And if you can get through losing as a team, if you can encourage each other, even when you have a sucky first half, right? When you saw those women, that there was 11 on the field and the other 12 on the sidelines, they were swaying in solidarity in the final seconds of the game because their energy was going to their team members. If you can believe and run your fastest in the 69th minute, if you can embrace diversity, if you can change your role and embrace it wholeheartedly, if you cannot quit when you get tired, you can win as a team. And that's the kind of team we want to be. Right? Team USA Soccer. This is Megan Rapino again, my best friend. 
they got back to the New York parade. She used, she's just so, like such a picture of grace as a leadership because the first thing she did was thank everybody, her teammates. So she won the golden boot, the golden ball, all these golden things. And she thanked everybody. And we were, it was like, you know, almost her speech, half of it was like, and thanks to the cook and thanks to the masseuse and thanks to the PR people and thanks to this. And then she used her rest of her time not to talk about why she was the greatest golden boot player in the world, but she said this, we have to be better. We have to love more, hate less. We gotta listen more and talk less. We gotta know that this is everybody's responsibility. Every single person here, step outside yourself. Be more, be better, be bigger than you've ever been before. I love this woman. And when I think about us and our message, right, our motivation for winning our game it's for women at work in the world, right? Our motivation is the next 500 million of impact. It's the next billion, two billion, three billion of impact. Because I look at it and I'm like, the world doesn't need another big company. That's not our goal. It needs a symbol of change to help pave the way for a better way of living and doing business. Do you agree? Is that the we? And it is a we thing. It is a team sport where we sway together, we sweat together. There isn't, you know, in this, in this relationship, everybody's got to be all hands in. That's you, that's me. I want you to look next to the person and say, we are the we. Look next to the person next to you. We are the we. We are the we. I can't do this without you. There is no we without you. And, and I wanted to say in our game, what we're going to play is tag. Tag, you're it. Tag, we're it. And what does that stand for? What do you need to remember? What do you need to think of in the mindset and the heart of the leader? Something that keeps that team together is trust. T is for trust. Trust in yourself. Do you believe in yourself a little bit more after this weekend? Yes, I hope so. You leave here believing you are fierce. Do you trust in the team? Do you think these incredible people that I'm looking at up here are amazing and trustworthy? and have your best interests in heart, and they've got this, right? Trust in our mission, in our evolution. Trust in change, right? Be like Alex Morgan. When she was told to play a different game, she did, because we're gonna keep evolving. But trust, if you trust in the mission and you trust in the people, you can trust in the change. Agility, right? Agility comes to moving, right? Embracing it, experimentation, grow. And I think maybe this is the, it's just ta without the G. We have to be able to act and serve our purpose and enroll and encourage others, right? And with consistency. And so this is what I'm going to ask all of you. Go get everything, all the things, every, every carrot put in your way, every ounce of energy that you have, go out and act on it, grow, act on it consistently, find the pacing partner, form the group, do it this month, do it next month, do it every month, because we're ready to be better than ever. We're ready to grow. And you want to know why I know that? Well, I really asked myself that the same way I researched every soccer player on that team, I researched the world around us over the last year because I looked and said, are we still relevant? Do people need us? You know, we started 10 years ago in a terrible economy and, and people wanted something very specific and they didn't have a lot of other options. So the world has changed and there's these convergence of trends that have totally disrupted what, how, what direct sales is or what we called social selling and what we've been doing for 10 years. And so it's caused all this shakeup in the industry. So I had to really ask ourselves, are we relevant? 
does the world need a better side gig for women? Right? There's more gig options. There's more flexibility in corporate America. We're at full employment. I look at how things have changed with shoppers. They now get influence for social media. So is it used to be that the every woman could share and recommend products and now only an influencer can do that? What about retail? Retail suffering. Is it now that only direct-to-consumer brands that sell um, one thing like Third Love and bras, which we're going to hear from the amazing creator of Third Love later today, is that the new model? And is social selling, is it just counter-cyclical? And do people not want to come to personal events? And so therefore, there's lots of people dabbling across different countries. And the, is, is, it too, is it too challenging, these trends? You know, are we relevant? Do people need us? And I asked ourselves this. The question isn't, how do we keep our old business float? The question is, how can we be the best gig for women in the gig economy? Because when I look and see what the gig economy is happening, here's some stunning facts. 50% of millennials have a side hustle. 37% of people in North America have a secondary income in addition to a primary income. And when I looked at it and I said, uh-huh, okay, so 40% of the millennials who gig, actually half of their monthly earning, that's a lot. That's a really important part of your income. 59% it's for disposable income, spending on extras, but, but for 38%, it's paying for like rent and food, right? It's necessary, necessary money. That generation, 28% stress about money every single day. That's a lot of stress every single day. And is the world so flexible, it's just so awesome? Well, guess what? Only a third feel that they have enough. Do people need more passion in their life, doing their own thing on their own terms? Only 27% actually have more passion for their gig than what they do on a regular basis. So can we be better? And, and can we be the best gig? What do we have to beat? Well, I looked. It turns out that almost half are dog-sitting and doing childcare. Now, I love my children, but I don't take care of anybody else's. And I like my dog, but I sure as hell am not walking yours. So can we beat dog care and child sitting as an opportunity for people? Well, what do people want? Is it relevant? What does flexibility add to your life? If you want to work this opportunity, freedom. Do we want women to be free? Yes. You know what freedom means to me for women? It means that you can have the ability to pay your way so that you can create choices in your life. Right? When people, we look at the amount of money people want to earn, it's not that people want six figures or to work all the time or to be a millionaire, but they sure as hell want, get your hand off my knee money. They want to be able to be fierce and independent when it comes their way. And how many are there? 30, I took a sliver. I said, let's, let's just like say only people in this age bucket. And I looked only people 28 to 40, which is ridiculous because we're celebrating people in college and in their 70s here. I said, well, what if they're only in this one segment of a household income of 75K up, which is ridiculous because the average median income in the U.S. household income is $56,000 a year. The average woman with a college degree in the U.S. earns $56,000 a year. Okay? So I said, well, what if we only took households of 75K? That would be 37.5 million women in North America that need us because they want to have a personal life and personal goals, right? We were talking about this yesterday. What if you had, could achieve a dream without all, without too much sacrifice? Are they capable? Is it only about, so yeah, 
We can be the best gig in the economy. Well, what about the changes in retail and people? What, where's the influence? Turns out that influencer isn't exactly what you think. The most authentic form of influence is sharing things you love with people you love who actually know you. So people, there's 82% of consumers say they're likely to purchase based on a friend's recommendation. The majority of Americans are looking at Facebook and YouTube, and people with 300 to 5,000 followers get six times the engagement of those over 10,000. It's, it's amazing, 85% of Instagram's one billion monthly accounts are people under 2,000, right? So it's 85% of the one billion monthly users, right? So it, are there people with, that need this? And my conclusion was this, yes. Yes, we, the need and our mission remain the same. We need to power the modern woman to learn and earn on her terms in an uplifting community. Because the other thing I learned about the extra income for millennials is this is the generation that's less well off than their parents. Why is that? They're in more debt. So from a wealth and an income perspective, they have 50% less net worth for someone who's under the age of 35 than the generation before them. Why? Because the cost of education has doubled and the fi federal financing of education has reduced. So when you ask yourself the question, how do you afford a house on a $50,000 a year salary with a $1,000 a month student loan payment, what's the answer? Side gig. That's why 50% of millennials have a side gig, right? So should we, great, if they have two times the debt, 28% are stressed on a daily basis. Don't you want to tell everyone that this is a better option than dog sitting in childcare? Yes! And, and do it, and you know, yeah, you know, we look at the gender pay gap, it is still 20 cents less on every dollar. And the gig economy, you would think, gosh, it's a flexibility gap, so there shouldn't really be one for an Uber driver, right? I mean, you just log in and you get the wages. There is an 11% gap. You know why? Because women don't want to drive at night in a city when the people are drinking in a dangerous area. So they don't go the high wage times. So it's not safe for them. There's still a gap. In fact, the average man with a side gig, he earns three times the amount on a monthly basis because women are still 70% the primary caregiver. So is there a need? Yes. Are women happy? Right? We've talked about this a lot. It's so important to me. Mental health is such a, a, a relevant issue today that somehow people are becoming less happy, less connected. Do we care about the learning and earning and the mental well-being and the double bottom line version of success is that happiness is success? Yes. So I look at this and say, wow, we're more relevant than ever. And where are we right now? Being a true leader is not about being in the lead. It's about heading towards the right destination and encouraging and equipping others to come with you. That's what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it. We're going to continually evolve our social commerce platform into the best gig in the gig economy for women. I think you saw that we're going to lead with customers and have pull demand. Okay, Keep, are you excited to share with your customers what you saw this morning? Yes? Stella and Dot, do you feel like what's outside in that viewing room is something your customers have got to see? Yes? 
Because that's how you win. It's got to be that the, the customer has pulled a man and building brand awareness and all these things. And if we were to look ahead at the best gig, people talk about it where they want 250 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, 1,000 bucks a month. We have to say to ourselves, can we provide that in a joyful way? Right? Because we are here to be the leader in this economy for people who are working other jobs. They need to be simple. They need to be lucrative. And this is what they want. Right? So when I look at this, I say to ourselves, man, I see the need better than ever. And frankly, the world's changed, but great. If we want what is right for all women, and we do, you want our competition to get better. You want the corporate world to become inflexible. You want the, the economy to be robust. That's not a problem. But if you want us to win, and we do, and we will, we must be better still, right? I believe that we will win. That's it. So what do you think? Are you a huge U.S. women's soccer fan too? I hope that you took something really powerful away from this episode. What lesson that came from the U.S. women's soccer team is something that the universe is sending your way right now. You need to hear it. You need to hear not to quit when you fail or when other people tell you you should. Is it that you need to ignore the naysayers because no matter what you do, somebody's going to pop up and have some criticism to offer you. I want you to think about what lesson you can apply to your life and then really wrap your head around it for one week. Write it down, look at it every single day and commit to action in your life because you are going to not just take inspiration from the U.S. women's soccer team, you're going to change. You're going to say to yourself, I've really got to focus on this one learning point and I'm going to action it by presencing it in my everyday for the next seven days because you are self-made. If this episode spoke to you, then please share it and review it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so grateful for you spreading the word and using the hashtag self-made podcast, as well as giving your thoughts to others so that we can grow our audience and our impact.